0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church located in Elk Point South Dakota. We'll adjust as needed. Well we've been studying uh, and looking at the thought on why why are you the way that you are? Why am I the way that I am? And of course uh, there's some humor in that, but sometimes there's some frustration. Anybody ever get frustrated with themselves? Oh, yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, uh, this is where I'm going to be teaching on the, the melancholy temperament today. And this is where I wished I had more of the melancholy temperament. Because uh, this morning, if you could see me, if you were a melancholy, you would probably have a heart attack or something. If you, had, if you were saw the way I was trying to get my stuff together this morning, uh, I was running late as well, which is, is a, a quality of mine, but uh, I'm getting all my stuff together. And then there with like uh, literally at 940, we're supposed to start Sunday school at 945. I'm sitting at the house at 940, which normally I'm pretty good about getting to church at a reasonable hour, but, uh, but there I am. And I printed off my, out, my my sermon outline, I printed off my Sunday school outline, and then I had a handout that I was going to print, print off, and I was excited about handing that out. Uh, but man, just all of a sudden, my printer just decided to quit communicating with the computer, and normally I would, you know, reboot it and unplug it and whatever and get it to work, but I'm rushing and rushing, so here I am without that handout, but it was just a hectic morning. The reason I say I wish I was more melancholy, melancholies generally don't have hectic days and mornings because they kind of, for one thing, they prepare. If I were melancholy, uh, I would have, these outlines would have both not only been finished, but they probably would have already been finished and printed off maybe a week ago today. And safely placed away in a place to where I could go right into my office and find per- perhaps a folder that was labeled uh, with uh, Sunday, uh, you know, whatever the date is, uh, outline, and there it is, just nice and tidy, and and, and off I calmly come to church uh, with my stuff together. But uh, alas, that is not uh, my temperament. It is a, it's a temperament that I that has some enviable uh, qualities, um, but all right. So uh, the the verse that I thought that would be a good verse to share because this needs to be the verse of every Christian. But if you have melancholy or melancholic uh, tendencies, uh, there's a good verse for you, and it's it's the verse. And wouldn't you know, I didn't write it down, but uh, <laughs> where the Bible says that God's not given us the spirit of fear. What's the reference to that verse? Is it First Timothy? <laughs> Again, a melancholy would never stand behind this pulpit unprepared. Um, and I'm prepared, but it's just in my own way. God has not given us the spirit of fear. I'm really hoping somebody bails me out here. you I do. Okay. What is it? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Okay, I know the verse. I just can't tell you the reference. And somebody... 2-7. Use it. 2 seven. Second Timothy? Oh, 1-7. Okay, 2 Timothy 1-7. Thank you. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, I say that because... Uh, the word fear there, because when we're, when we're going to look at the weak, weak side and the weakness side of the melancholy temperament, there's fear, uh, and fear, as we think of it, but the way the word fear is used there in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 uh, has to do with cowardice. Has to do with cowardice, um, and we're going to see a tendency to that now. Um, so I believe that is that's a good Bible verse for everybody. But if you're if you if you're if you have tendencies toward the melancholy temperament, that's a verse that you need to nail down in your heart and mind. Another good verse to get nailed down in your heart is, is, is a passage in Psalm 139 where the Bible says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because I feel like if there was any temperament, out of all the temperaments, uh, that probably wished it was other temperaments, it's probably the melancholy temperament uh, oftentimes. As far as in my experience, I've found and, uh, and so uh, this is uh, the melancholy temper. So, Psalm 139 you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you the way that He did. Uh, so, I want to encourage you today to accept, and this is no matter what your temperament is, but to accept who God made you to be and embrace who God has made you as well as, see, because here's the tough thing about melancholies that we're going to see in a little bit. Melancholies are perfectionists, as I was mentioned earlier. They, they have things lined up. They, uh, they're prepared. They're, they're very thoughtful. Uh, they're very caring. They're very deep feeling. Uh, but one of the things about them is that they can be, you, if, you're, if you have this temperament, you can be really hard on yourself. Now, I'm hard on myself, but if you notice something about me, I'm hard on myself, but I don't seem to get any better about it, because Uh, As hard as I am on myself about my, my having my stuff together to come in here this morning, the truth of the matter is by the time I walk out of here today, I'll just be like, okay, that's good. Melancholy, you're not that way. You'll sit and you'll think about it the rest of the day you'll lay down tonight and you'll be thinking, I cannot believe that I did not have my stuff prepared, or I cannot believe that, uh, and and even if you did, because you do have your stuff prepared, you'll still probably be thinking, it's a good possibility, whether you're teaching or not today, there's a good possibility that you'll be in a conversation or something will be said today that at the end of, at the end of the day, you're going to be sitting and mulling over what you said and how you didn't speak and how you didn't represent yourself the way you meant to and how you didn't get your thoughts across very clearly. <laughs> and I say that because uh, one of the th- one of the negatives on, on the melancholy side is that you can torment yourself because you're such a perfectionist. Uh, so you need to learn to embrace and accept who, who God made you and be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God uh, because I'm telling you, powerful temperament, just like every other temperament. God uses these temperaments in great, great ways. But, uh, but again, left to our own strengths, our own flesh and nature, uh, we, we, they, they go bad in a hurry. And so you learn to, need to learn to accept and embrace yourself as a melancholy. But here's the other thing. Sometimes as a melancholy on the other side, you can be real nitpicky toward other people and you can demand such perfection out of other people that you can be critical of them. And so you also got to learn to accept and embrace others who uh, don't have their stuff together quite as well as you do. So that's just kind of an introduction to this. I I thought about this as I was coming into this lesson on uh, with the the melancholy temperament. Uh, it's, It's tricky because one of the things that I've got to try extra hard about today is not to offend. Let me tell you something, when I'm teaching about cholerics, not going to offend them because they really don't care. They really don't care that much, all right? Unless you're a choleric that has a melancholy side, then you may get offended. And that's the thing we're going to see is, remember, each of these temperaments are always blended with another temperament. Uh, sanguines, uh, you could hurt their feelings, but they probably forgot about it before the day was over, all right? But a melancholy, again, uh, you got to be careful not to offend hurt feelings. Um... And so, melancholy. I've got a ton of uh, notes today, and I didn't get them quite compiled in the order I was wanting. And I had Evan sit down and number the pages for me, so we'll see how he did. All right, uh, so we're, I'm going to blame it on him if this goes awry, but it probably it really won't be his fault, okay? Uh, all right, uh, I'm going to go, I like LaHaye's, and I'm, I'm drawn from a bunch of different resources. Tim LaHaye uh, was, the, was my first introduction to the four temperaments, uh, you know, which goes all the way back a couple thousand years, as we talked about, to Hippocrates, uh, the fa- well, who's called the father of medicine, uh, but uh, going back a couple thousand years, but uh, but he calls melancholy uh, these different nicknames. I've, I've used some, not some of the others, but uh, maestro melancholy. Maestro melancholy is often referred to as the black or the dark temperament. But uh, in actuality, the melancholy is the richest of all the, t- the temperaments, okay? Here are some of the descriptions of melancholy. And I'm just going to hit some highlights probably as we go through. Uh, uh, a Melancholy is analytical self-sacrificing, gifted, a perfectionist type with a very sensitive, emotional nature. No one gets more enjoyment from the fine arts than melancholy. They can appreciate uh, detail. They can appreciate things that others may not. By nature, uh, a melancholy is prone to be an introvert. But since their feelings uh, uh, predominate, uh, he's he's given over to a variety of moods. Sometimes his moods will lift him to the heights of ecstasy that cause him to act more extrovertish. So melancholy can kind of be a tricky one because if your mood is very positive, you can actually be pretty outgoing. But uh, at other times, this temperament can be gloomy and depressed. Uh, during these periods, uh, you would be withdrawn and can be antagonistic. Maestro Melancholy is a faithful friend, but unlike the Sanguine, he does not make friends easily. Because, generally speaking, a melancholy is a little bit more introverted, so they don't make friends as easily, but they are faithful friends. Uh, A melancholy will not push themselves forward to meet new people, but they let people come to them, but they will not generally go out of their way to go meet new people. Uh, Melancholy is perhaps the most dependable of all the temperaments because of their perfectionist tendencies, do not permit them to be a shirker, uh, you know, a shirker of responsibilities, or to let other people down. His natural reticence to put himself forward is not an indication that he doesn't like people. He only, he, not only, he not only likes others, but he also has a strong desire to be loved by them, since disappointing experiences make him reluctant to take people at face value. Here's an interesting thing. Some of the interesting things I find about melancholy side is this. Uh, Someone that has a melancholy temperament is prone to be suspicious when others seek him out or shower them with attention. They're wondering what the ulterior motives are. Uh, See, a melancholy often wants to be appreciated, but oftentimes when they receive, say a public acknowledgement or appreciation, they feel very uncomfortable. And when Mr. Sanguine walks up, uh, to, or if you're, even in, if you're married, if you've got a spouse that has melancholy tendencies and you're trying to shower them with how awesome they are and how beautiful they are or how great they are or whatever, they're probably going to be sitting there just like, oh, what do you want? What are you up to? Uh, they, they don't, they, the, so they generally don't take compliments very well uh, and they generally don't give compliments very well. Again, because since they're very hard on themselves, They can do something better than just about anybody else, but to compliment them on that, they don't see it because what do they see? They know every little mistake they made along the way and they knew that it could be better. So therefore, they don't just really relish and think, oh, wow, how great of a job I did. their exceptional analytic ability causes them to diagnose obstacles. And again, this is one of the po- another one of the positive sides. Diagnose accurately the obstacles and dangers of any pro- project uh, that they're a part of planning. So uh, they, they, they look ahead. Again, they're very analytical. They, uh, they are slow to take action. Um, because they're analyzing. They'd rather analyze, probably, than do something. Uh, they'd rather analyze it, then analyze it again, then look it over again. Uh, versus the choleric temperament, of course, that just runs in full confidence. How can anything go wrong? Because I'm the one in charge of it. Uh, but, but the melancholy temperament sits back and thinks, I don't know. And therefore, a lot of times, the melancholy temperament can be very indecisive. This is a... Um, and, and very hesitant to move forward, uh, to make a decision, to step out because uh, they, ha- they, they know what could go wrong. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, and when, dif- and when, when difficulties do arise, uh, one thing a melancholic can say is like, uh, never mind. Uh, they don't like the difficulties, they don't like obstacles. Obstacles, and that's one of the things, again, with being indecisive, if they're about to make a decision, they can sit down and calculate everything that could go wrong, and so therefore they say, you know what, I see a couple, I see a few too many obstacles in here, so as a result, I'm just not going to make this decision after all. Uh, So, uh, I got a lot of good points I want to try to get to here. Um, Let's see, okay. Uh the care this this characteristic often finds melancholy reticent to initiate some new project or in conflict with those who wish to. So again, somebody's ready, and you could see this develop in a home or in a church situation. Somebody's ready to move forward with the project. Let's, let's go. But the melancholy sent back saying, wait, wait. Have we really looked this over? Yes, we've looked this over, but we have have we looked it over again? And do you realize that this could come as a result of the decisions that we're making? Uh, And so they're just like, (laughs) you know, it's constantly, let's think about this, let's analyze this a little bit more. occasionally when melancholy is in one of their uh, uh, great moods of inspiration, they may produce some great work of art or genius. These accomplishments are often followed by periods of great depression. Uh, Melancholies usually find their greatest meaning in life through personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. And so when you're looking at professions and stuff, and, and many... Some, some studies uh, suggest that many if not most doctors have a melancholy temperament somewhere in them. Why? Because they give. Well, there's a couple things. There's a lot of self-sacrifice involved, but uh, in order to get through the rigors of medical school and all that goes through that, uh, believe me, a melancholy temperament comes in handy to get through that type of uh, uh, work and that type of uh, uh, you know, uh, workload and so forth. Uh, so, melancholies usually find their greatest meaning in life through personal sacrifice. They seem to have a desire to make themselves, and this is another thing, uh, they, on the negative side, so they're, they're willing to sacrifice, but sometimes they can almost find some fulfillment in making themselves suffer. And so sometimes they make themselves suffer. They, 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 they uh, again, they inflict themselves with, uh, with pain, maybe, hopefully not physically, that is a possibility, uh, but a lot of times it's just that they want to beat themselves up. They want to beat themselves up and they feel because they feel like they deserve it, and so there's some, some kind of um, strange fulfillment in that. Uh, a lot of times they'll choose a difficult vocation involving great personal sacrifice. They tend to be very thorough and persistent in their pursuit of a chosen goal. Uh, they are more likely to accomplish uh, great good. As a general rule, no other temperament has a higher IQ. As a general rule. So that doesn't always mean that melancholy is super smart, but it's, I mean, uh, among those with high IQs, uh, melancholy's uh, got a great percentage of that. And no one else is capable of such high quality, perfect... Uh, no one else has, has quite that ability. That's why one of the cool things about learning this temperament is that, or, or about the temperaments a lot of times, if you have somebody, if, if you're trying to hire somebody to do some, you know, for instance, if it's somebody in the construction business, what type of, what, type, what side of construction can you imagine melancholies maybe thriving in? How about like cabinet making? You know, I mean, the intricate work, detailed work. Uh, And I have come to find that if I've got somebody doing work for me on my house, which we don't uh, do very often, dummy here tries to do it, Uh, but, or tries to get some friends to help me do it, but if I'm trying to get somebody to help me with my house, it's good to get somebody that has, has a melancholy side to their temperament. Why? Because they're going to be detailed. Uh, they're not going to be just like, oh, yeah, man, it, it, we'll just throw this here, we'll just do this here, and it'll work out in the end. Uh, no, they're going to say, let this has got to be done right. This is the way it's got to be done. Yeah, but I want it done now. doesn't? We're not, it's not about getting it done now unless, let me, let me throw this out there. We haven't got to the blends yet, uh, but if you're a choleric, melancholy or melancholy choleric, some people call that, some people say that you're, you're your own worst enemy because choleric wants it done right now. You know, right now, fast, go, get, you know, we got to get it done, get on to the next thing. But then your melancholy says, yeah, but it's got to be done right. And there's just this struggle within getting it done quickly and getting it done right. And there's just this constant battle. But uh, but again, that's uh, the type of people. I'll give a couple of these anecdotes and then just try to hit, hit a few things here. Habits of temperament. We... uh, We've, with each temperament, we've looked at uh, how they drive, how they keep their yard and stuff like that, Um, interesting things, and so just daily things. Uh, When a melancholy motorist leaves home, they're prepared for the trip very well in advance. They study the map, and they know the best route from A to Z. Of all the temperaments, they they are the most likely to keep a complete log of their driving history. Uh, It is not a problem for a melancholy business person or whatever it is to keep track of their miles. It comes natural. It's something they enjoy doing. Their their fuel consumption, right? They can tell you easily uh, the miles they get to the gallon, depending. Again, uh, there's some that may not be as mechanically inclined, but they are. They can tell you that stuff. They're legalists by nature. They rarely speed and uh, and, and may even drive one mile under the speed limit. Uh, And and, and, uh, they they may do this in the left-hand lane of the freeway with a sadistic glee, forcing faster drivers to jockey through traffic to pass them. If they get a ticket, it's usually for refusing to yield the left lane to faster-moving traffic uh, because they're probably not breaking any other laws. Uh, But of course, at that time, their reaction will be one of great indignation because uh, they were the ones that were observing the speed limit. Uh, so uh, very uh, particular, very safe, very um, uh, precise drivers. Again, you, this may manifest itself. If you have a different temperament, that may come out in your driving. But again, uh, melancholies are, uh, oh, the yards, the yards. Okay, uh, with a natural aptitude for growing things, uh, you can always tell a yard. If you have a, me- if you have a strong melancholy side to your temperament, you've got a good-looking yard. I promise you that. Your yard looks good. Uh, your room probably looks really nice. Uh, if you have a pretty strong melancholy side, your bed was probably made before you left the house today, or at least uh, kind of put together. Again, that's a side of that. Uh, but as far as the lawn goes, that's a re- really good sign. Um, so it says here that he, he is one who talks to his babies, uh, which are his plants, and uh, And almost any weekend you'll find him on his hands and knees manicuring his lawn and his hedges. And so uh, usually if you see the the best looking yard you can tell there's been some melancholies involved in that yard because it's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be nice. Uh, As they're picky eaters, it takes them forever to make up their minds about what to order. But once their food arrives, they savor every bite. Of course, they're great at keeping uh, checkbooks and things like that, as you can imagine. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go through, start going through some of these points that I highlighted in these mini notes that I had. And Uh, Just kind of see where we go here. All right, thinking about uh, melancholies, I said this already, but one of the things that can be a good and a bad, the good is that you are prepared when it comes to a project or starting something new. The bad thing is uh, they usually begin with a a bout of hesitation and self-doubt. So there's not a lot of confidence uh, many times with a melancholy person. Not a lot of ton of confidence there because again they know the obstacles. Uh, and, and this this goes the same way in a social situation. Um, you know, hey, I might go. I, I'd, I'd like to meet that person, but wait. If I were to go approach that person, what if and they start thinking about all the things that could go wrong? And maybe by the time they're done thinking about it, that person has already moved on or. Uh, Or they just decide, you know what, yeah, it's not. See, uh, the the melancholy person, they, they spend, they're not seeking social events. It's not that they don't want to be at a social event, but they don't want to go. If, if you have this temperament, if you've given into this temperament, uh, when you've been invited to go to some social event, uh, you're very hesitant to do so. Uh, you kind of want to be there. You kind of want to be around people. But at the same time, you think about the things that could go wrong. And, uh, and so as a result of that, you may oftentimes end up not going. If you're married, a lot of times that that can be a struggle between uh, somebody that has a melancholy side of their temperament versus someone that's sanguine or choleric, especially, uh, that just wants to be around people, wants to be uh, in the middle of a group of people, wants to be at the party, wants to be at the church gathering, whatever. And the melancholy person's over here just like, can't we just stay home? I don't want to be around people. Uh, I was thinking about this and... uh, the, 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 as far as conversations go now, you get a few people standing. If you get these four people standing around talking, you've got the four temperaments standing around talking. Uh, which two do you think are going to dominate the conversation that we've covered so far? Choleric and sanguine. Choleric and sanguine. All right. The cool thing is There's so many of these things that are illustrated at church all the time. We could look around here and see so many things. Uh, What kind of person, let me just throw this out here, talking about looking around the church. What kind of person do you think would label every cabinet and drawer in that kitchen? (laughs) <laughs> That's melancholy, amen. That's Dana. Dana labeled every one of those, uh, so you would know. So, it, but why? Because there's a place for everything, everything in a place. If that was a cleric, uh, sanguine, phlegmatic, uh, not so much. Uh, th- th- it would not be in that type of order, uh, for instance. But just f- four people would say in a conversation, you got the sanguine and the cleric out talk, trying to out talk one another. Uh, You've got, you've got the phlegmatic, the laid-back temperament that we haven't really got to. You've got them over there uh, enjoying the conversation, enjoying the back and forth, and they can just interject a little snide comment or a little sarcasm, a little dry humor as the conversation goes on and enjoy it. And here's the melancholy. A, a topic is brought up, and they're interested in it. They've got something they'd like to add. They've got something better than any of these people have added so far because they're generally probably a little smarter and a little more thoughtful. However, by the time they think it through and are ready to say it, the sanguine and choleric have moved on to two or three different other things by that time. You know, this happens in our family sometimes, and it just stop. I want to say something about the, the thing y'all were talking about three or four t- uh, subjects ago. I've got a thought for this, okay? Um, and, and, and that's something that, is, that a melancholy a lot of times has a hard, usually a melancholy will not speak up for themselves and say, hey, wait a second, I've got something to say about this earlier topic. Uh, but the, the shame is is that normally they've got something better to say again than what's been said thus far. So uh, if you've been in that situation, and let me tell you something, uh, uh, man, there's times you may, as a melancholy, you may have some admiration for the extroverted temperaments. In many ways you may envy them being able to get up and talk and be so comfortable in their own skin and comfortable around people, but at the same time, when you're in conversations with them or when you're in groups when they're discussing, it can wear you out. I mean, you are tired by time you are done being around uh, these extroverted temperaments that, uh, that dominate conversation and so forth. Uh, okay, so uh, one of the good things about uh, melancholies is their ambition when it comes to the things that they're going to do. One thing you can almost guarantee with a person with a melancholy temperament, when they start a project, it's not going to be left unfinished. It's not going to be left undone. Uh, there's going to be no surface that's left on, uh, left untouched. Uh, they're going to make sure that it gets accomplished. Again, uh, they may be hesitant to take on a project uh, because of their self-doubt, but if they do take it on, you better believe it's going to be done, and it's going to be done right, and it's going to be finished. You probably don't have to really follow up with a uh, with a person with a melancholy temperament. You probably don't have to follow up again with a choleric either. Uh, sanguine, phlegmatic—that's two two different stories. Hey, man, those you're going to follow up on, uh, but that's another story. Uh, uh, I'll try not to talk about sanguine today. My son always, Evan always accuses me. You always want to talk about yourself. Uh, but that's a sanguine trait, let me tell you. Let me tell you something about, you know, enough about you, let's talk about me. My goodness, I, I've been tired of talking about this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But that's kind of the uh, what they're can be known for. And you notice when I talk the negative on the sanguins, always that's what they are known for. Same thing with phlegmatic. But uh, anyway, uh, again, one of the great things about Molenkazi is their loyalty we talked about. Um... One good thing about a melancholy friend is this, they believe in your potential, and uh, whether you agree with them or not, they think they know what's best for you. And if you're a friend uh, on a on a level, uh, you know, to where you become friends with a melancholy person, they do think they know what's best for you, whether you think so or not, and they will tell you that. But one of the great things about being a friend to, and how to be a friend to someone that's melancholy is being supportive and genuinely sympathetic. Uh... This is an interesting thing. I, I think I alluded to this earlier, so forgive me if I uh, accidentally hit something uh, or alluded to something twice, but uh, melancholy friends, uh, a melancholy friend, uh, they, they long for affirmation. So if you're melancholy, you may want to be affirmed. You may want to be appreciated, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to be pointed out. Um a melancholy person, they feel like... Here's the thing that's tough. When you, have, when you have a melancholy that you love, that you're in a relationship with, that's in your family, that's in your church, one of the toughest things is is that uh, they, uh, they do something so great, they, they accomplish something, but they still fall short of their own expectations. And so for some of us to have somebody close to us that's melancholy, it can be a little frustrating because we love them so much, And they're just like, yeah, well, I just something, something, you know, all negative. And you're like, are you serious? You're a blessing. Are you serious? Do you not realize what you have done? What you have accomplished? Um, But no, because it could have been better, you know, uh, doubts. If you have, if you struggle with doubts, uh Whatever they may be, but if you're just generally a doubt and doubt, you've got some melancholy in your temperament. doubting, 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 uh, self-doubt. I mean, it, it, can be, it can be a struggle. We talked about a choleric. It can be hard for a choleric to trust God. Um, but it can be hard for a uh, melancholy person, uh, I'm sorry, for a choleric to believe God and for a melancholy to trust God sometimes because, again, they're just so critical. The disparity between real life and the ideal often leaves the melancholy disappointed and critical. Because there's this ideal way that they ought to be. There's this ideal way that things ought to be. But when things end up, when life is not that way, oftentimes they're left being disappointed uh, and or critical. So uh, it's it's these things you've got to guard against. Uh Let's see. Uh, you, know, you ever heard the phrase, don't sweat the small stuff? That, that, that phrase is custom made for melancholy, amen? Don't sweat the small stuff, because you know what, with melancholy, there is no small stuff, or either everything's small stuff, but everything's a big deal. Uh, it's amazing how they can analyze things. Um, and again, I got to be careful because I've said this. I'll probably say this at some point. But on the emotional side, again, we talked about this being a very deep emotional thinking temperament. There, if if either you have been in this situation uh, as as the recipient or as the giver, if you've ever, if you're a person that just may say something kind of offhand or just joking around, maybe you're being sarcastic. Um, you got to be careful doing that with somebody with a strong, melancholy temperament because they take it to heart. They take it to heart. You know, I mean, and sometimes you don't even know you said anything. You know, oh, I mean, okay, uh, you know, y- you, could, you could, okay, here's just an example. I'm just going to throw this out here. Let's come back to church again. Uh, somebody, so, so for whatever reason, in a very unusual fashion, a melancholy comes to church late alright and you know around here since, uh, since especially as, as, I'm con- as far as I'm concerned I just want people to get here I don't care if you come late if you get here early uh, whatever I just want people to come somebody comes in late says oh man I'm glad, you, I'm glad you finally made it what does he mean finally what's he mean finally does he mean and, and honestly here's what can happen uh, over, as, as time goes on Listen, it's, and it's not just, what's it mean finally? Oh, oh, well, it's probably good. No, 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 no. This grows throughout the service, throughout the day, lay in bed at night. I can't believe Pastor was picking on me about being late. Shouldn't he be glad? that? Does he not understand that something happened? I mean, in other words... That, if, so if you, if you either have experienced something like that, it's, it's, it's the temperament that, again, if you have this, uh, and, and I'm not picking by saying easily offended, but you can be easily offended and you can be, but again, why? Because here's one of the things I think is tough about melancholy just as far as from a personal standpoint goes. When a melancholy, for instance, is, uh, say, for instance, critical of you, and this is getting back to the point of them being easily offended because they don't think much of themselves. They doubt themselves. They doubt whether or not they should have even come in. I mean, there's been melancholies, no doubt, that have been running late for whatever reason, got off work late, but they're still trying to get to church on time, and they roll up into the parking lot for Wednesday evening service, and it is 7.02. Oh, well, driving back and making that uh, 40-minute trek back home. I know, I know a fella uh, that has done just that. Been on the interstate and it hit, you know, after seven, been all the way up close to this way, turned around back home. Um, you know, which is, again, uh, you say, well, I do do that. And that's what this stuff is. As we go through these, these temperaments, you say, well, that, I'm like that, but not like that. But I do know somebody that was that way. Okay, what, what's, what's troubling for me with uh, um, melancholy? Okay, so if a melancholy gets in a bad way and is, begins to be critical of you, You know, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your home, whether it's, you know, husbands, wives, kids, they're critical of you. Well, maybe you're the type of temperament like me that if you start pointing out my imperfections, I start thinking, well, buddy, you're not perfect. And so I'll say, well, you know what? Yeah, so maybe I didn't have my stuff together (laughs) this morning, and maybe I was running a little bit late, and maybe I didn't get my, my handout printed off. But, you know, let me tell you this about you. You don't want to know something? When you're doing that with the melancholy, it is not satisfying at all. You know why? Because they usually say, I oh, know I'm the worst person, and I'm just like, oh, darn it. You know, it's like, come on, you know, because they are critical of you, but they're probably even more critical of themselves. And so it's tough when you uh, have somebody uh, like that that you care about. Uh, let's see. Um, Yeah, it's talking about sweating the small stuff. Uh, Melancholy can preoccupy themselves with meticulous details and everything that could go wrong. And and again, that's projects, that's life, it's whatever. Uh, Again, this is the weaknesses of this temperament. When we preach about worry, man, your antenna's up. We all can worry. We can all be prone to worry, but none quite as much as this temperament. Because you know what could go wrong. You've done the math. You've sat and thought about it. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's why you sit and watch the news and you can sit and think of every ramification that could come about because of what's going on in our country. You sit and think about all, you, you sit and think about because another on the negative side, if, if, if there's a hypochondriac, uh, they're probably melancholy. Now, I'm not saying if you're melancholy, you're hypochondriac. See See what I'm saying? And I know people are processing. He just called me a hypochondriac. And you'll be laying in bed tonight. He called me a hypochondriac. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if there's ever anybody that can get really excited, say, about the the coronavirus or something like that, and you can think about all every last detail because they think about the details. But here's the thing. That's a positive thinking about the details. Yes? You know, we talked about it before. These strengths and weaknesses, we're talking about the same thing. Water is good. Unless you're in a flood, (laughs) then water's not so good. Fire is good when it's under control, but it's not so good when it's raging, right? And that's the same way with our temperaments. It's the same way with that detail-oriented. It's good. It's a blessing. What would we do without those people? That's where we get, just in case I I don't say it, I, I talked about music. I talked about arts, but that's where we get our books from. That's where we get our, uh, you know, uh, our songs and our music so oftentimes comes from uh, people with the melancholy temperament, our arts, uh, all these things that we enjoy, uh, our details, our structure, our, so many of these things. But on the negative side of that, they can, they can tend to go to the dark side of those, those details. Not only planning out, okay, preparing what could happen, but saying, man, and it could go this way. And all of a sudden it can drift and go to a dark and depressing place. And that's one of the reasons why this, this term melancholy is one that we do use some in our modern-day vernacular, and it is normally associated with depression. As I hope that we'll see through this uh, lesson, it's so much more than that, so much greater than that, so much more positive than that. I want to really get the positive side out here, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, over, being overwhelmed by worries now uh, if you have somebody that you care about just telling them not to worry and not to freak out does they don't respond too big uh, too well to that if you got somebody that you're just saying hey it's not it's, it's not really a big deal you know sometimes it's better to try to sympathize or empathize with them a little bit uh, but then still say hey but uh, do, do you think maybe because they do think, believe me? Hey, do you think maybe this could work out a different way? Do you think maybe this could work out positive? Um, try to uh, let, let them know that you understand as best as you can, and and uh, so forth. But um, all right. Uh, so some of the, the the worries the worries about it. Sometimes a melancholy temperament may may need a push to take the first step because. It's hard for a melancholy to take that first step, whether it's to go talk to somebody, whether it's to just do something, whatever it is. And so sometimes they may need some encouragement. But again, once they start, uh, they generally will persevere. If they foresee too many problems, as we mentioned earlier, they will back off. Uh, One of the big things I encourage you with a melancholy temperament is that since you can see, The potential issue, since you are looking ahead, when you begin to see the things that could go wrong in life, when you begin to see your shortcomings, the shortcomings of others, how bad things could be, how hopeless you are because you can't do it right, you can't get it right, always stop and remember this. It's not just you, you are not alone. If you're a melancholy and you're saved, let me tell you something. Don't forget to to include God into your equation. And and, and that's that's what makes the difference. If you, as a melancholy, can remember that verse we started with. God's not giving us the spirit of fear. Uh, Remember to bring God into it. Remember that God, I mean, you can put all these negatives together, but you just add God in there and all of a sudden it turns it into a positive and it can happen in an instant. Don't forget about God. And when we talk about thinking, we just preach about the mind on Wednesday night, on thinking, think on these things. Man, you, you need, you, all of us do, but man, you think so much and so deeply, you need to really consider what you're thinking about. Go over there to Philippians chapter 4. Compare your thought process. Get familiar with that that passage and say, you know, I think it's Philippians 4, 9, is does this outline... The way that I'm thinking. If not, I need to change the way that I'm thinking. And so, uh, because placing trust in God and remembering to include God in the equation is a great difference maker. Um. Yes. No, I think that that that's a great point. Is there are temperaments that that's more willing, more more easily trust to God and. I'll say yes, and I believe that would probably be, and somebody, I'm looking for feedback on this as well, but uh, maybe sanguine and phlegmatic, and I'll say why in just a moment. But one of the things I think would be good to emphasize is that while it is easier for a sanguine, for for instance, perhaps, to just trust God easier, or for a phlegmatic, there's things for a melancholy that there's, there's some things there that's going to be easier for them that are not in relation to God that are not as easy. And, and the same thing for a choleric and, and so forth. There are certain traits that are easier. And the reason I say that, because when I think about the sanguine, a sanguine generally is a trusting person. Uh, and you know, on the weak side of that, the, the negative side of that is they can be flat out gullible, uh, you know, but uh, but, 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 the, the, but they're trusting, they're easily trusting, and, and that's where I'm trying to bring the phlegmatic side into it as well, because phlegmatic side generally doesn't get very worried. It's like, it's fine, it's good, everything's good, you know, it's all good, and that's where I get that side of me saying that. So I would say that that those probably do Therefore, struggle with worry less and find it easier to trust God. Um, I think they live in the moment, yes. They're... Yeah, Melanie's talking about living in the moment, which a melancholy doesn't generally do as much again because they're thinking ahead. Um, you know, so I think, I think that probably helps aid that as well. Um, so, yes, I would say that it is easier. And that's why I try to remember that, because it is, uh, you know, a, a sanguine nature. Again, my by, by, by nature is more positive. Uh, they're just more positive. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes, if there's two, they're, they're, you can see clashing in these temperaments. But a, uh, when, when a melancholy, I don't want to say is that they're very worse, but when a melancholy is worrying about everything and vocalizing that worry about everything, it can drive a sanguine crazy. Well, you just stop it? Quit worrying. It's going to be fine. You know, why would you even think about that? You know, but a sanguine shouldn't do that, but that's the way a sanguine feels sometimes just because they don't think of it in those terms. So as a preacher and a teacher, uh, not that I don't have a tendency to worry and so forth or not to trust, but uh, it, it, it generally is easier for me. But now, there's other things that I, that I need to be or would like to be for God that if I were melancholy, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, uh, I would read a lot more if I was melancholy. I read a lot. I, I try to learn. I love to learn. Uh, but, man, it's, it's a struggle for me uh, to sit and read. Uh, and and w- normally once I sit and start reading, I enjoy it, but that's a struggle for me because I, I'm just sitting there. Ah, you know. I mean, listen, I, I walk around when I brush my teeth. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I move constantly I, you know, to, to sit, uh, and, and I do read and I can read, but I'm just saying that it would be such a strength because the melancholy can just flap, open up a book, and off they go uh, and can just sit, uh, and they don't look at it as wasting time because what's the hurry? You know, and that's, uh, it, we'll see that with the phlegmatic side as well. Watch the hurry, but, but they are, the, this, they see the benefit of this. So there's, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses to both, if that answers your question a little bit. Um, okay, uh, th- this I thought this was interesting. How does a melancholy communicate love? Uh, the way that a melancholy demonstrates or says that they love someone is by being dependable and responsible, not in physical or verbal terms necessarily. So a melancholy may not be, be very verbal or physical. We talked about these before. I believe this would be a term that's a little bit more... Um, phlegmatic and probably sanguine are more relational, uh, to where melancholy and cleric are more, um, what's the word, Hannah? Organizational. Organizational. So, uh, so, so they, 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 demonstrate love in a different way, and that kind of goes to the love language that we've talked about. Uh, I've already alluded to this, uh, but, uh, melancholies have a very sensitive emotional nature. Feelings dominate their being. Sometimes their moods will lift them to extreme highs, at other times they will be gloomy and depressed. The secondary temperament will often help balance this out. Um, uh, Let's see, I see that we're, I guess this is what I just mentioned about relational versus uh, organizational. Melancholies are more task-oriented as opposed to relationship-oriented. Melancholies tend to be perfectionists and set unreasonable standards and goals for themselves and the people around them. Uh, If a melancholy makes a promise, they will keep it. Melancholies are very creative people but are prone to deep depression. They are very private people as well as very serious people. Uh, They are self-motivated and do not respond to the promise of reward nor the threat of punishment. Uh, They do their work uh, based on what they're going to get out of their work. Uh, A melancholy knows their limitations and they rarely take on more than they can do. Um, I mentioned that already. Melancholies may be calm and quiet on the surface, but they are often angry and resentful on on the inside. They tend to keep those feelings to themselves until they build up and eventually the anger explodes in a fit of rage. So this is a more introverted temperament but again, if they're on a real high, man, they may, you may be just like, wow, what's got into them today? But they're riding the emotion in a different way than a sanguine would. Uh, but, uh, but, but they can internalize anger. They can internalize wrong. And remember, they, they're mulling it over and thinking it over. Uh, and, and one thing about a melancholy, since they're so thoughtful, you may not think of what you, what you want to say in the midst of a conversation or debate or argument or whatever it is. Uh, even when something's said to you, as a melancholy, you may not even process it right away. There's no ignorance involved there. It's just that you're thinking about it. And you think about it, and that's when later on you realize, wait, were they saying this? But So you can begin to think about what somebody else said, or you can just wish what you had said. But generally, they, they'll internalize, 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 until finally they can explode. Extremely moody, uh, they can suffer from uh, black depressions, reject people, set standards neither they nor anyone else can meet, develop habits that are very hard to break, uh, have low self-esteem, and are pessimistic. They adhere to rules and they they need very little control uh, over the, their lives, or, or they, they, ne- they need very little control over the lives and behavior of others. Um... Okay, I know i got to stop here. i just got so many notes here. I'm just going, I'm going through pa- these, I'm skipping whole paragraphs trying to hit these highlighted sections because I didn't quite get this compiled in the way that I was wanting. The good news about this, I do want to get back to the, and I'll and close with this part somewhere in my notes. Um, as we begin to think about, uh, again, the way that God uses this, uh, this temperament. No temperament has such as much, as much of a natural potential when energized by the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. If you're melancholy, don't... Because here's what I worry about. I, I, with whatever I've gone that's negative, uh, you've definitely heard that. If you have a conversation with a negative person or a melancholy person, you can tell them uh, three positives about them, one negative, and you know what they say? Hey, what did Jesse have to say to you? Here's what he said, let me tell you. They heard the one negative, all right. And so, please, uh, don't go around here thinking that uh, that I am putting down the melancholy temperament because I'm trying not to. And if I've if I've emphasized the negative too much, I'm sorry. I again, my handout had a list on this side of strengths, a list on this side of weaknesses, but I couldn't get it to print, and I was running really late, so I didn't. Uh, anyway, so but I'll try to bring that on next week. But the the point that I just want to make is this again. When put into the hands of God, melancholies make uh, such a great difference. I've already tried to compliment. Uh, the, the people, you know, you, you don't want people, uh, you, you want somebody with a melancholy temperament, let's put it that way, that's helping handle the money. It can be, there's de- it's detailed. It's worked out. It's, uh, it's accounted for. I mean, everything's right. You want somebody with some melancholy in their temperament uh, helping on some of the projects uh, in the church. And the more, and, and the and the and the more I realize how little melancholy I have in me, the more I want to stay away from the projects of the church because I just get aggravated with myself. <laughs> I don't know because I'm just like, ah, oh. Uh, oh Pastor, was you going to do this? Oh, I totally forgot. Was you going to finish this? Finish what? Oh, I forgot. Anyway, that on me again. But I'm trying to say, melancholy people, with melancholy temperament, don't do that. Uh, th- this is the thoughtful people. This is the faithful people. Melancholy people are faithful people. Melancholy people are true friends. Melancholy people, when you put when you put them on a subject, they're on a ta- on a task. If they get on a task, they are going to get it done. Uh, Many outstanding Bible characters had strong melancholy tendencies. Uh, According to this, all the prophets had strong melancholy tendencies. All the prophets. So I talked about writing. Guess who God used to write much of the Bible? People with a melancholy temperament. Uh, uh, Solomon had melancholy uh, tendencies. Uh, The apostle John. And you could see that from his loving nature toward Jesus as well as the other side. Because again, remember, one thing about a melancholy, they don't have a lot of friends, but they are a faithful friend. If, you're a, if you have the melancholy temperament, you're a faithful friend that is very valued by, if, if people have any sense, are very valued by the people you're friends with. Because if you ever need a shoulder to cry on, melancholy will be that shoulder to cry on. They will be there to sympathize with you. Uh, and sorry, I was just thinking of that movie Inside Out, but uh, how that uh, melancholy at the end been, ended up being the hero. If you've ever seen that movie, it's a little cartoon. All right, but uh, anyway, uh, also Moses. Moses was a gifted introvert, remember? Moses did not want to go speak, to speak uh, for God, but God called him to speak. So he said, Lord, I can't speak. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send Aaron to speak for you. Of course, Moses got there and ended up speaking. But Moses was a gifted introvert full of self-doubt who eventually trusted God to make him one of the greatest leaders, not just of the Bible, but of all of history. Moses never had victory over his anger. And we saw his anger explode there. That caused him getting into the promised land. That's Again, a melancholy, it can be a melancholy temperament, anger or, or weakness, anger. But, but uh, the fact of the matter is God uses uh, in a great, great way those of you who have melancholy tendencies to do absolutely great things for the Lord. Uh, And so, again, I'm going to end where I started, and that's that's this. As far as cowardice goes, as far as fear, as far as hesitancy, when it comes to doing something for God, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Melancholy, that needs to be your, it needs to be all of our verses, but if you have melancholy tendencies, you might need to quote that verse every day. Another verse you might need to be very familiar with and quote every day, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am not a mistake. I do not need to be more like pastor. I do not need to be more like this other individual. God made me who I am. And so in other words, we need to learn to accept and embrace who you are and you need to learn to accept and embrace who others are. So I want you, if you're a melancholy today, I want you, melancholy probably never do this, but I just want you to raise your hand and praise the Lord. Amen. And thank God that God's made you this way. Why? Because you're an absolute gift. You're gifted. Um, uh, you know, again, it, as far as gifts go, you could be uh, gifted, especially in arts and think, arts and music, more than any of us, uh, some of us others would have dream. Uh, but you are uh, gifted and you are a gift. And so uh, we appreciate you in the church. Amen. We really do. Uh, and thank God for you. And need more of you, um, Amen. To get and help take over something I'm trying to do that ain't going to get done. All right, Ron. Um, I would say that temperament plays a large part because again, I believe that these. We started this off by saying the thing about these temperaments is that I believe there is a hardwired nature, but I gotta I gotta clarify hardwired because when we talk about the weaknesses, sometimes you look at the term hardwired and it's just like, yep, I'm I'm mean or I'm lazy or I'm pessimistic and that's just the way i'm hardwired that way not saying that i'm just saying that we're hardwired to these so it depends on your temperament a lot of times how you're going to react to these but your environment can affect and maybe it can bring out uh because i believe probably to some extent we all have some percentage of all four of these temperaments for some of us it might be like two percent or one percent but there's something in there but if but those things but but i'll tell you coming up in a bad home or something um Yeah, the temperaments can definitely affect how you approach that. Uh, But regardless, it's God's truth that can set us free and help us, but it it can affect it. I I had a a melancholy, choleric dad. uh, And I've had a lot of choleric, melancholy people in my life that God's blessed me with. Uh, But as a result of that, there are certain tendencies I have that are toward uh, perfectionism. I'm waiting for my family to laugh but Evan's not going to laugh because he was actually uh, asking me just this morning, you know, because I was talking about my shirt needing ironed. Uh, man, I, I want my shirt ironed. I don't want to come to church with a shirt that has not been ironed. Um, and, and 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 Evan, but but Evan, he's a phlegmatic cleric, and he comes down, his shirt looks like it's been balled up in a box for the last three years and puts it on, and okay, ready for church. You're not going to church with that. Uh, all right? But, but, I, but I believe a lot of those things are things, and I've got to guard against it because there's good things about it, but to weigh my, the way my dad, and so it just kind of influenced or changed. That's not exactly what you're saying, but Melanie, you got something to add? Do we need to stop because it's past time? Amen. <laughs> Different temperaments, right? You sang ones, man, and phlegmatic. we just sitting here all day. Oh, what's the hurry? Uh, but uh, anyway, all right. Well, uh, I'll try to do better next week, amen, so y'all pray for me. And uh, happy Father's Day. We'll see you back here in just a little bit.